How you doing? What's going on? We're great. How are you? Fantastic. This is a fantastic day. You have a transcendent voice, and hearing you over our phone lines makes me very happy. <laughs> the book is called You Can't Make This Up, Miracles, Memories, and the Perfect Marriage of Sports and Television. I will tell you this. As a lead-in, I'm probably a bit of a sycophant because I, too, do sports at a much lower level uh, at a college and uh, pro broadcasting so you are wonderful. Let me just get that out there right now. <laughs> oh, this is embarrassing. Wow, You're boy. the best. This is terrible. I'm the what, worst. What college? Uh, I do a national college uh, football game of the week. Uh-huh. Oh, neat. So, yeah. Oh, See, it's not the Super Bowl, though. Super Al, hey, listen. Join. You know, there's, there's plenty of time ahead. <laughs> Al, I, I read this a long time ago that you have a photographic memory, and I, I don't know. I want to know, A, is that true? And B, if it's legend, someone told me they saw you in a booth, you were handed a, a sheet of data, pregame notes, you scanned it for 10 seconds, and then had photographic recall of all of it. Well, I'm not sure I have a photographic memory because I do make mistakes, believe me. But uh, I've kind of been blessed by having a, a brain that sort of works chronologically. And as I see, uh, you know, the years roll through my head. It's almost like it's scrolling, and I've got, you know, the ability to do simple math in my head, multiplication, division, all that stuff. So it's kind of crazy. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that, that sticks around in there, but, uh, you know, as I, I kid my wife once in a while, I go, honey, I said, you've got to wear a name and number on the back of the nightgown, because otherwise I won't know who it is. So <laughs> I've got all this sports stuff in my head. Can't get rid of it, but I guess it served me well through the years. You've been in a number of situations where you were in a once-in-a-lifetime moment, the fact that your broadcast career started with the Big Red Machine, it, that alone is is just enough to get most broadcasters through a whole career. Like, well, I'll always have that time. And then sprinkle in, oh, by the way, the Miracle on Ice, and, and obviously doing Super Bowl broadcast. Do you have a favorite, a best time? Oh, yeah. I mean, to me, Lake Placid will be a standalone, and nothing will ever top that. And that was the one moment that I can look back upon and go, Man, I can't believe, you know, how lucky I was to get the hockey assignment in Lake Placid in 1980. And I got it because I was the only I was the only announcer on the ABC staff that had ever done a hockey game. I had done one, and nobody else had done any. <laughs> wow. So that's, oh. that's how I get that job. And then you have that take place. And then, of course, the way you know it has lived through the years. So, I mean, to me, that would be always number one. And then, you know, to have done a ton of baseball through the years, which I loved, and I built my career around it. And somehow that gets morphed into doing, you know, 29 years of primetime football. So I, I keep winding up in a lot of pretty good places, and that's serendipity more than anything else. Do you still have that sweet sweater that they gave you for the 1980 Olympic coverage? <laughs> you know, I do. I have that. And, I, of course, I have the canary yellow ABC blazer that we were yep. forced yes. to wear all of those years. So I've got all that junk in a closet somewhere and. uh uh, I haven't looked at it in a while. Hopefully the, the moths have eaten it uh, through and through. Wow. Al, I, I heard Howard Cosell would wear that blazer like in the lobby of, of of the hotel, but then complain about being noticed. Absolutely. Howard was a guy who, in those years, we would have to bring the blazer to the game. Mm -hmm. So instead of having another blazer, Howard would always like wear the blazer on the plane, <laughs> and then he'd wear it all weekend. And then, of course, he'd wear it on the air. And one of the great stories of all time was at the Kentucky Derby in the in the mid-'80s when he was working with uh, Jim McKay. And he always kind of resented the fact that McKay had been given the anchor seat during the Munich Massacre at the 72 Olympics. Howard thought that he should have been the guy, but, but Rune Arledge put McKay in there. So Howard's sitting in the lobby in the hotel in Louisville 
Uh, and, of course, when he's sitting there and he's got the toupee and the cigars going, the yellow jacket right mm-hmm. in the middle of the lobby, <laughs> and he's craving attention and everybody's around him. McKay is checking in, and McKay kind of walks by, and, and, and Cosell goes, Jimmy, Jimmy, look at this. Look at this. They won't leave me alone. There's no place I can go to be alone. And McKay, without breaking stride, looks over his shoulder and says, Howard, do you ever think about your room? Yes, I can't believe that he actually said, I wanted the seat for the massacre. That should have been me there. Sure. He always, he he resented McKay uh, until his dying day about that. He always felt that he was the guy, he was the newsman, he was the guy who should have been there to... uh, you know, to talk yeah. America through this thing. In the, in the meantime, McKay won a news Emmy. Right, yeah, right, 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 yeah, right, right. I mean, come on. Could you describe Howard as a friend, or was he not really friends with anyone? Well, you know, at, at, at first, yes. I mean, when I first got there, um, uh, he took a liking to me, and a lot of it probably had to do with the fact that uh, maybe familiarity bred contempt, and he'd been with the other guys for so long, and and you know, you always hear him denigrate uh, the other the other broadcasters. He, you know, he. He'd call Gifford the human mannequin and, and never liked <laughs> yeah. Meredith and, you know, resented McKay, whatever. And, you know, Keith Jackson was uh, just bombastic and a guy who, you know, used phrases like uh, the big uglies in the trenches. So, of course, that would mock everybody. And then, of course, when I came along, I was the new kid on the block, so he took a liking to me. We okay. had a great time the first few years together. And then Howard just got tired of everything, left Monday Night Football. I never worked football with him, but I did a ton of baseball with him. And then uh, at the end, it was kind of sad. I mean, yeah, it was. It ended he, weird. He's a guy. He's a guy he, he was one of the most recognizable people in America. Uh, had everything going for him. And, you know, at the end, uh, it was just not good enough for him for whatever reason. I don't know. Al Michaels with us. You can't make this up. Miracles, memories, and the perfect marriage of sports and television. That's the book. You can get it now. Al, you've worked with maybe the quintessential football analyst in John Madden. And now I think you work with one of the best, though he doesn't get the the love that uh, some of the other guys get. But what made John Madden so good? The thing about John is, number one, he knows as much about football as anybody. But like any great analyst, any great broadcaster, he knows how to communicate. He knows how to connect with the audience. And John would be able to explain things in a way that everybody understood not just people who were um, immersed in football or coaches or people who were connected to the game. He knew how to embrace the entire audience. This is what makes these guys, and Chris is the same way. He knows how to explain things, but he brings everybody into the, into the tent. Come on, come all, come on in here. Let me explain this to you without insulting the intelligence of people who really understand the game itself. And he had that great ability to do that. The one thing about John Madden, is, you know, he had all of the, the sound effects and the whole thing, and he, he changed the template. He is one of the smartest people I ever met, not just in football. John knew a lot about a lot. You could have a discussion with John about everything. Can you play a prank on Chris Collinsworth and say, hey, you know, you have become the best analyst there is? And, and, that, and that part is true, uh, or the best color commentary. Can you, like, maybe tell him that the people who make the Madden football game want to change the name to Collinsworth football? <laughs> I, I could tell him that, but then he'd call his agent immediately and want to redo his deal. <laughs> Collinsworth, 2016. Uh, Al, I heard you talking one time about uh, the uh, Basket Brawl movie. Basket right. Brawl? Ball. Basket Ball. Um, yeah. And um, your experience on the set and, and what happened with, with Bob Costas. Can you share that? Well, yeah, in, in a nutshell... 
this was a movie. I didn't want to be a part of it. In the I remember that place. movie. Yeah, I, I didn't want to be. It was a you know a combination of baseball and, and basketball, and it was David Zucker who had done you know some uh, a, a funny movies, Airplane, yep, and right. Major League, and all of that. And I didn't want to. You know, I just thought, ah, oh, this doesn't look right. And they 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 had what they call favored nations. There were a whole bunch of announcers that they brought in, including uh, Dan Patrick and uh, Bob Costas. And I was told, or my agent told me at that time, everybody's going to get the same amount of money. Right. Okay, so okay, there's no negotiation. Everybody's going to get what they call favored nations, most favored nations. So then I find out, of course, that when I agree to do it, Costas called me at that point. Bob and I weren't working together, but we'd known each other for a long time. Bob said, oh, come on out and do this thing. We'll have a lot of fun. So I figured, okay, we'll, we'll do it. And then... We spent one long day on the set. We started that. We had a lot of fun. By lunchtime, we're going, oh, man, this is going to be the end of our careers. <laughs> and then Bob says to me, because we're late and they, you know, they're trying to amuse us and they're showing us the dailies and we're going, oh, man, what, how, you know, how do we wind up here? And Bob says, well, at least it's a good payday. And I said, what? And so we flipped the coin and then we had to I, – I, I lost – which meant I had to tell Bob what I was making. Oh. I said, Wait a minute, it's favorite nations. And Bob was making three and a half times more than I got. Oh. <laughs> At that point, I'm no prima donna, guys, but I had been lied to. I mean, this sure. typical, typical of Hollywood, as they say in the book, there's yeah. no business like show business, but there's no BS like the BS in show business. Right. That is crazy, man. At the end of the day, we got it right. <laughs> really? You called You called and said, okay. And called well, the agent. yeah, my, my agent called, and we we threatened to, uh, you know, to say, hey, look, you know, we, we're going to go to court about this. Because we got lied to. So I don't blame at, you. at the end of the day, it got right. But it was, you know, it made for a good story in the book. What can I tell you? Absolutely. The, the book is filled with great stories. It's called You Can't Make This Up, Miracles, Memories, and the Perfect Marriage of Sports and Television. Al Michaels, thanks for joining us. We'll see you at the Super Bowl. Guys, good to be with you. See you in Glendale. Yes. Fantastic. All right. Thank you, Al. That's oh boy! Awesome. Can you that imagine? Some, that was some class A sucking up there at the beginning. Oh, that was beautiful. Oh, you were that was funny. excellent. I, I walked in the middle of it. I heard, oh, oh yeah, I love you. I was going to give you a napkin for your nose and your chin. I was, I was buying some time. Oh, that was great. <laughs> oh, I'm so in love with you. I love you. Do, do you remember that? Do you remember that time that that, that you were doing that thing? That was that was oh. awesome. And you know. The way you delivered that line in that crazy game, it was just, it was riveting. I mean, I like, I, I could, I do pretty well myself if I don't say, you know. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I just, I'm just, I'm just small potatoes. You'll probably want to you. step I mean, aside and let me fill in. For I'm you. just small potatoes, you know. I mean, oh, what do I do? I mean, just national broadcast. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm no biggie. Courage. 